0: Well, thank you, ho down, and uh, good morning. I know it's like really, really early in the morning, ten o'clock, to be this loud, and um, but you'll get an uh, you'll get a chance to hear. um, I mean, this is kind of my 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 morning voice, my afternoon voice, my night voice, and. And so as Hodown said, uh, I have uh, a family, and uh, I think some people think I don't have a family because every time I come up here, I don't have my family with me, but actually I do have a family and a wife of 26 years, uh, Tanya, and then we have uh, three children. I'll show you pictures a a little bit later, not today, but uh, probably a little bit later um, this week. And um, we have a 23-year-old who is about to graduate Moody Bible Institute in December, and so we're really excited. He's actually preaching this morning, just as I'm preaching. So the Marvins are preaching this morning, and so we have a uh, 20-year-old, uh, Micah. He's a senior at Wayne State and uh, in Detroit, and, uh, and then we have an 18-year-old daughter, Michaela, just graduated high school, or she's actually—the ceremony is next week, um, the whole— Crazy COVID thing. We'll be doing a drive-by kind of thing, and so that—that is—that's—that's uh, that's Michaela. In fact, we were supposed to be right now. We were supposed to be in Nairobi, Kenya, together for her graduation celebration, and—and uh, and again, this year has been such a disappointment for seniors in high school. But so we're going to try to make it up, uh, make it up to her. And then we uh, about three years, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Uh, we, no, three years ago, we have uh, my son's best friend, Ashton. Uh, he lives with us, um, and we've kind of adopted him into our family. His mother passed away suddenly. He was on a mission trip, and his mother passed away of a heart attack, and, um, and so his father is not in his life, and so he, um, we've just kind of taken him in as, um, as our, our, one, of our, one of our sons, and and well, we really didn't take him in because he was already living at our house in many respects, eating our food and sleeping in our in our house. So uh, him and my my middle son, they are like uh, they're really really tight best friends since like fifth grade, sixth grade, and uh, and so it's kind of cool to watch them. It's kind of cool to watch them walking, uh, walking with the Lord even uh, even now. And so we'll I'll talk a little bit more about them and and some of the things that um, we uh, we just. Appreciate about them and some of the things that annoy us about them as well. So, uh, but today I want to I want to get jump I want to jump into what we're talking about today, and that is when fear comes. Everybody in this room, you've experienced a level of fear in some aspect of your life. Whether it is uh, what we're dealing with now, this global pandemic, or whether it's racial tension, uh, whether it's come close to where you live, or whether it's walking into the unknown, or whether it's losing a job and not knowing if you're going to have a job, whether it is the the money is shorter than the bills that are coming in. And uh, so again, there's a level of fear that grips all of us. And so the question that I always ask myself, or the question that I ask myself sometimes, and ask you, what did you do the last time you were afraid? You don't have to answer that right now. I want you to think about it. What was the last time, what, when the last time, the last time you were afraid, what did you do? Did you, did you flee? Did you, did you run? Did you freeze? So, so the, this is a reality for us. Because fear and faith cannot coexist. Either you and I are walking in faith or we're walking in fear. Those are the two options uh, for us as followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you kind of someone just kind of dragged you along and your friends brought you here, I'm hoping to get in your business this week. And I know that's like, wait a minute, I, I don't I don't want you in my business. Well, Part of leadership is disrupting people's lives so that they might actually live better. And so, um, so that's kind of what we're going to deal with today. So all right, so here here is, I, wanna, I want you to give me, if you know it, I'm going to put some words on the screen. And if you know this phobia, I want you to just yell it out and tell me what you think this phobia is. And I'll tell you if you are right or wrong, and then I'll put the answer up as to what that phobia is. And so this is the first one. What do you think this is? Nomophobia. What's that? Yeah. Nope, no, that's not, that's a good guess but that's not right. What do you think? Nomophobia. What do you think? Fear of names? Nope, nope, that's a good guess. Here's the here it is. The fear of not having mobile phone access. This is a real, this is a real phobia. And I know in our day and age right now, there are some people here right now, there are some kids here right now, even adults here, you are walking around saying, Is there a signal? Is there a signal? Making sure that you have mobile phone access. What about this one? A blutophobia. This is this is not fear of bluto for Popeye, okay? It's not that a blutophobia. What do you think that is? Take a guess, anybody. Just the wildest guess. What do you think? Ah, you did you look that up? There it is. Give it, Look at, give a big round of applause. That's that etymology coming out, that Greek and Latin coming back. And so this is what kids, kids have fear of bathing at camp. I'm just letting you know, they have like, like, I do not want to take a bath. I do not want to wash. So, ablutophobia is the fear of bathing, showering, or washing. Very good. I like that. All right. What is um, allodoxophobia? Allodoxophobia. This is like, like nobody in our culture right now has this fear. Allodoxophobia. Take a guess. Uh, Not quite, but it may be kind of in the ballpark in a little bit, so, all right. The fear of not praising. All right, so let me give it to you so we gotta, gotta move on. So this is the fear of opinions. Like, we are not afraid of opinions. All you gotta do is go on the socials right now and you will see that people are not afraid are not afraid of sharing their opinion all right what about ergophobia what's that fear of working that's right how did you see that you you kind of ah that's right the fear of work like yeah that's right my kids like when we tell them to wash uh, take a, unload the dishwasher they say like we got ergophobia dad we got ergophobia so so fear of work what about this one scoptophobia or scopedophobia. What's that? Ah, you're very close. All right, this is the fear of being stared at. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. All right, the fear of being stared at. What about this one? Terophobia. Terophobia. What's that? Fear of speech? Nope. Terophobia. This is the fear of cheese. <laughs> this is the fear of cheese, mozzarella, cheddar. Not to be confused, though, with flatophobia, <laughs> fear of cutting the cheese in public. All right? So it's not to be confused with that. All right? So, so we all have fear. So the question is, what is it? What is fear? And fear is is an attitude of anxiety and distress caused by concern over a threat to one's future it actually is it comes from also an awareness of vulnerability an awareness of weakness in ourselves an awareness or a distress or an anxiety for someone to do us Harm. And everybody in this room at some point has lived with fear. This is what fear is. And so um, what are some things we fear? Just name some things that we might fear. Maybe some things that you might fear if you don't mind being vulnerable right now. What are some things you might fear? Just throw them out. Losing your job. This is a very, very, this is a climate for that right now. Somebody else, what do you fear? Yes. Losing your family. That's one of my fears as well, losing my family. Something happening to my wife or children. All right? Somebody else, what, what do you fear? Home. <laughs> he says he fears homeschooling. <laughs> wow. Yes, okay, very, very good. Thank you for your honesty right there. All right, so what are some other fears we have? Not being accepted or being rejected, absolutely. Somebody else, just take a a couple more. The impact of the virus, yes, absolutely. Trying something new, absolutely. Those are some fears that we have. Here's some of my fears. Here's some of my fears. I am deathly afraid of snakes. I cannot, and these are like real, like, like the one on the right is like, I will have nightmares about him tonight or her. So here's some of the other, I am afraid of rats. Like those are Chicago rats. There's a difference between regular rats and Chicago rats. That's where my wife and I are from. Like we grew up with them and the cats were afraid of rats. That's how bad they were. I'm afraid of bats. I'll tell you my bat story a little bit later. And um, it is like one of those things that like, like, I don't even want to think about it right now. Okay. I'm afraid of being stranded in the sea or stranded in the ocean. That's too much water for anybody to be in anyway. So way too much water. All right. And so I'm afraid of bluegrass country music being heaven's music for all eternity. (laughs) That I'm serious. That's like, like, give me hip-hop hoedown, and I'm cool. What they did last night was absolutely amazing, and I can take that in heaven any day. But if you give me country bluegrass, I'm like, ah, okay, Jesus, like, you know, can you do, can you give me a hall pass on this, all right? So those are some of my fears. And so sometimes we, when fear comes, there are unhealthy responses. We hide like Adam. We lie like Abraham. We compromise like Aaron. And we run like the Israelites. Somebody who's listening to me right now, you fit into one of these categories because fear either has you hiding. Fear has you lying. Fear has you compromising your faith. Or fear has you running running away from yourself running away from responsibility or running away from something else fear can be devastating so the question is and the question i know you're asking right now is if those are unhealthy responses to fear then what are healthy responses to fear some of you have dealing some of you are fearful of the virus. And some of you are fearful of the racial tension. Some of you are fearful of the things we mentioned. And uh, whether rational or irrational, whether natural or unnatural, there are tsunamis and earthquakes and fear of being shamed and publicly humiliated. Uh, the fear of Um, of of not, again, as we said, not being accepted, whether natural or unnatural, whether realistic or unrealistic, whether rational or irrational, fear can be devastating. And the question is, what should a healthy response be? What is a healthy response? How then should we respond to fear? Well, we respond to fear with faith and each one of these letters is going to be a response so faith and fear cannot coexist and so our response to fear must be faith it must be believing god is who he says he is not only in our minds but even in reality and so the first response is fix our attention on the right thing and really, the right thing is not really a thing, it's a person. And so, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, that word looking is fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the author, that is the beginner, someone who initiated our faith, and then someone who perfects our faith, someone who grows our faith, someone who develops our faith. If fear and faith cannot coexist, then we have to make a choice. And the first choice is, or the first response is, I have to focus my attention on what causes me not to fear, as opposed to the thing that causes me to fear. The thing that ca- the why we are afraid, beca- reasons why we are afraid is because we fix our attention on the very thing that frightens us. Instead of fixing our attention on someone who's bigger than the fear that frightens us or the thing that frightens us. And last time I checked, Jesus is bigger than any fear that we have. The last time I checked, they placed him in a grave, and on the third day, he got up from the grave because one of our greatest fears is death, and Jesus conquered death so I can place my trust in him. He is much bigger than anything that causes me to be afraid. Man, if I was at home, somebody would say, Amen, right down through there, because that is where. Fear dies. So so just to kind of give you a little bit of um, uh, 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 insight into my own life and my family's life. Back in March, our family, entire family, contracted corona. All of our family members had COVID-19. My son from Wayne State, he came home sick. They, When they, all the kids came home from college, he came home sick. 103 temperature. We just simply thought he had a cold. He came in, and he was like everything, with the exception of the intense shortness of breath, he had it. So we cared for him, and, and uh, when he got home, and then about five days later, my wife got sick, where she had aches and chills and fever we quarantined her to the basement just like we that's why like they told us to do and um and then she started feeling a little bit better maybe 4 or 5 days into her sickness and she she started feeling a little bit better i started feeling the symptoms and mine my my symptoms were way more intense than hers achy body chills um sweats, nightmares, the loss of taste and smell for six days. That is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. A diarrhea like I've never had it before. We're family, so I can tell you all that, right? I like sleep in the bathtub diarrhea because I'm afraid that I'm going to actually lose my bowels in my sleep heavy chest where it felt like someone was poking their thumbs, a 300-pound man poking his thumbs in my chest. And then my son, my oldest son, lost taste and smell. My daughter lost taste and smell. Uh, Ashton, who is living with us, he he was asymptomatic but exposed to the virus. And so we finally got checked uh, even before I mean, we, we had the symptoms, and then we said, oh, we probably should go get tested. So we went to go get tested, and the test is actually worse than the virus because they put the swab up your nose to touch your brain, it feels like. And when the doctors called us to say that we were positive, the only thing I could fix my mind on is that it's six of us in the house one of us will die. Now this is a pastor talking. We'll go to the hospital, they won't they won't have ventilators and one of us will die and we'll have to do kind of a really messed up kind of funeral. See my eyes were fixed on not Jesus but the virus. And then we had this bright idea. My wife had this bright idea. Hey, let's, why don't, let's focus on the people who are living. And the moment we started focusing on the the 85, 86, 87% of people who were recovering, there was a flip in my thinking. And when I started focusing on Jesus, who is much bigger than the virus, it was a flip in my thinking. so here's my challenge to you is whatever you're fearing, fix your eyes on Jesus. In fact, I would go through the Gospels, begin reading the Gospels, and take another look at Jesus. Take another look at our Savior. Take a look at his miracles. Take a look at who he is and place your faith in him. So that's the first response. The second response, ask God for help. Ask God for help. Ask God for help. Here's the verse. When I called on you, you answered me and you greatly embolden me. That's Psalm 138, verse 3. And so part of the fear... Uh, Part of the results of fear, the consequence of fear is we feel weak in our soul. We feel weak in our knees even. We feel weak in our minds. But we have a God who says, if you ask me, if you call on me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. And so in the midst of fear, call on him. In the midst of fear of losing a job, call on him. In the midst of fear of the sickness that you might have, call on him. In the midst of fear of whatever animal or and again, obviously you gotta like call on him, and then he'll give you feet the run to run. So uh, so so there's there's this sense where God is waiting for us. And the way we call on God is through is through prayer. It's through prayer. Is saying, God, I need you right now. I'm afraid of my boss. I need you right now. I'm afraid of having a crucial conversation with someone that I have conflict with. God, I need you right now. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to. I'm single, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. God, I need you right now. God, there's a kid at school who's bullying me. I've not told anybody, but God, you are a much, much bigger person than the bully that's that's dealing. God, I need you right now. So fix our eyes on uh, the right thing. And the right thing is not really a thing. It's a person. And then ask God for help is the second. Here's the third. Invite others to walk with you invite others to walk with you. When we uh, contracted the virus, and I was um, quarantined in the basement, basement of our house, I had all kinds of um, text messages that telling that, you know, people saying that we're praying for you, we're praying. I felt kind of, I felt some type of way about that, and that was pride, because I don't need people to pray for me I pray for other people because that's my job. I'm a pastor. I pray for people. People don't pray for me. That's nothing but pride. And during this time, God had to break my pride so that I can actually invite others to walk alongside me. My band of brothers, my small group, to say, we are praying for you, not only are we praying for you, but we want to serve you. Man, we got so much food. There's a lot of junk food, too. You got that Corona 15 going on, you know, that 15, 15 pounds during Corona, like that, like like so much food where the people of God just simply showed up. And there are people right now who are listening to me, you are afraid, you're walking alone you're walking alone, and you're saying, "God, I need your help." And you know who God is going to bring to you—the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus—to walk with you. And instead of waiting for someone to ask, the killing of our pride goes to that person and say, "Hey, brother, man, I need, I need somebody right now to walk with me. Would you walk with me? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my marriage." I'm afraid that my I, I, I'm afraid that I don't know what it takes to raise my kids in this culture. So 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 you you have gone through this whole thing of raising kids. What are your best practices? Can you help me? So invite others to walk along. And so here is, here's the verse for when we came into Macedonia, this is Paul talking, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. And then here it is, but God who comforts the downcast, here it is, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So sometimes God supernaturally takes our fear away. But many times the way God deals with our fear, He actually brings other people alongside us to walk with us. Does this make sense? Is this making sense? All right, very good. All right, so let me give you the let me give you the tea. Trust God. I know that sounds really, really trite, but trust God. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is uh, what it says: Psalm 56, three and four. It says, "When I am afraid, I put my trust in You." In God. Whose word I praise, in God I trust, and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So, really, the base of faith, uh, the base of the base of faith, the foundation of faith, is acting like God is telling the truth about Himself. That's what it means to trust. Either God is lying about Himself, or He's telling the truth about Himself. Either God is a strong tower, or He's not. Either God comes near to the broken heart, or He doesn't. Either God shows up in crises, or He doesn't. Either God strengthens us inside, internally, or He doesn't. And so the psalmist says, when I am afraid. Notice he didn't say, if I am afraid. He actually recognizes there will be a time in his life he will be afraid. And so he says, "When I am afraid, I will put my trust not in my money, not in my house, not in my network of friends, even though we talked about inviting others others along, but our first response is God, I am going to trust you and I'm going to act like you're telling the truth about yourself." All right? And then um, the last one, help others on their journey of faith. So God delivers us, comes alongside of us, so not that we might become hoarders, but so that we might actually mentor others. Here's a verse. Praise be to God. This Second Corinthians. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, including fear. Here is the purpose clause in the Greek. God comforts us, not so that we might say, wow, thank you, God, and move on. He comforts us so that, purpose clause, that we can actually comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received. So here it is. If God has ever delivered you from fear, he actually expects you to actually come alongside someone else. If God has ever showed up in your life, he actually is expecting you to mentor someone else. This is is what discipleship is. Discipleship is receiving from God and then passing on to others. So right now, let me ask you a question. This is a big question. This is the $75,000 question. Who are you investing in? Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring your life out for? Besides your family, besides your kids, is there another man, is there another woman that you say, I am going to intentionally and relationally walk with this person as they grow in their faith in Jesus. This is a discipleship passage. And discipleship is simply is loving God really well, loving neighbor really well, and teaching others to do the same, all right? So that's that's faith. And so when we are faithful, then we will be fearless. So, we have to revisit this over and over again. When we are faithful, when we are full of faith, remember faith and fear cannot coexist in the same heart. So, when we are full of faith, fear has no space and part in our lives. And then, moments of fear are opportunities to deepen our faith. So, God says, I'm going to allow you to go through fear, but I'm only allowing you to go through it so you can deepen your faith and trust in me. And then finally, Next time fear comes, how about introducing your fears to your Father, the one who is bigger than anything that causes us fear? Let me pray for us. So Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you show up in the midst of our greatest fear, coronavirus, racial tension, troubled marriages, whether kids will go back to school or not, will they be behind or not? God, we are afraid at times. And so we're going to fix our attention on you. We're going to ask you for help because you are a good, good father. And we're going to swallow our pride and we're going to invite others along on the journey to say, would you walk with me? Then all along, God, we're going to trust And we're going to trust. We're going to fall down. We're going to trust. We're going to get back up. We're going to trust a little bit more. We're going to deepen our trust in you as we move forward. And then, God, we're not going to become hoarders. We're going to actually help others. So in helping others, we strengthen our faith as we're strengthening, helping to strengthen theirs. So, God, we love you. Thank you. And we pray this word would have a lodging in our hearts. And um, so we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name, amen.